Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. On today's episode of Just Healthcare Daily, we dig into whether the move to virtual care has been enough for primary care practices trying to stay afloat during the pandemic. It's Friday, April 10th, and I'm Alex Olkin with Just Healthcare Daily, where I get the headlines in health business and policy news in under 10 minutes. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review. It helps other listeners find the show. We're almost a month into the coronavirus national emergency declared on Friday, March 13th. Shortly afterwards, social distancing and shelter-in-place orders started around the country. And that meant people were canceling unnecessary procedures, surgeries, and doctor's appointments. Even with primary care practices moving as much care virtual as possible, many are still concerned about their future. Just Healthcare's Senior Vice President of Member Insight, Teresa Breen, joins me to talk more about this. The Just team has been doing research on what this means for the average independent practice. First, Teresa, there's been a lot of talk about moving to virtual care as a solution or at least a stopgap measure for practices to keep some appointments and make up at least some of their revenue. But can you walk me through why you're finding virtual care alone isn't sufficient for practices? First of all, I think it's extraordinary how quickly these practices, many of them across the country, have ramped up their move to telemedicine visits except the issue that is bearing out is that this is certainly not a one-to-one conversion when it comes to revenue. Places that we've seen that have told us that they've moved 80% of their typically in-office-based visits to telemedicine are telling us that that is really only generating about a third of the original in-office revenue for that bank of patients. And that's because this is reimbursed at a lower rate um, for commercial visits, typically, than uh, in-office visits. Medicare has said that they're going to be reimbursing that at parity. So obviously, the payer mix of the practice comes into play there. But another significant driver of why those telemedicine visits don't cover that original revenue is because of the lack of the in-office ancillary revenue. These are pretty minor in-office procedures and things like vaccinations, but those are completely gone when you shift to telemedicine. In today's forthcoming weekly gist, you modeled how an average five-provider independent practice would fare over the next few months. What are a few takeaways from that? Just to kind of get an idea of what an average practice might look like, we assumed three weeks cash on hand, which might even be a generous assumption given a lot of small independent primary care practices out there. The bottom line is with some of our assumptions about the proportion of visits that can move to telemedicine, the picture starts to become negative pretty quickly. 
um, cash on hand would be used up over the course of the next eight weeks or so. And basically by June, the practice would be out of cash and operating at a significantly negative operating margin. In general, it really shows that the average independent primary care practice is going to run out of cash quickly. Of course, these practices will try to do different things like tap into the small business loans that are available through the CARES Act, tap into lines of credit that they might have, but the picture certainly is looking increasingly negative if the current social and physical distancing remain in place. If nothing changes and independent primary care practices follow this trajectory, what do you think could happen to the independent primary care market? They're going to be looking to either close their doors, whether that's a temporary thing that they can do uh, for lowing workers and remaining in place, so to speak, to reopen down the road or close their doors permanently. Some of them might simply throw in the towel and decide, I'm going to decide to retire or I, I can't do this. Others might be thinking this is the time to return that phone call of that health system or that private equity group or what have you that might be interested in acquiring us. Perhaps this is a chance for a lot of the payers who have large primary care groups to be picking up practices. And in other words, I think we're expecting to see consolidation in this market. To see more detail on the primary care model, make sure to check out today's weekly gist. You can subscribe to the free newsletter for insights from the week in healthcare delivered to your inbox every Friday afternoon. Just go to gisthealthcare.com to subscribe. Risk-based payments could be a lifeline for primary care, says Dr. Christopher Crow. Crow is the CEO of Catalyst Health Network. The network of hundreds of primary care physicians across Texas already has value-based contracts with commercial payers. He, along with other primary care advocates like the American Academy of Family Physicians and the founder of Alliday, Dr. Farzad Mostashari, have put out a primary care Marshall plan. They're calling on commercial payers to follow Medicare's lead and start paying practices with monthly patient fees rather rather than a per-service fee. In this moment, there is two pieces of the healthcare delivery system that are super critical that we have to keep up. And one is, of course, the one that's getting all the media attention. The hospitals, the, the ERs, the beds, the ventilators, the, the end of the life at the worst case scenario type of care. We, we certainly need that. And the other side of that is primary care uh, physicians and their practices that are the front line in, in a critical piece of public health. And right now, in this moment, we actually need them to care for more than they've been caring for in the last few years. You have brittle, chronic disease people, elderly, immunosuppressed, those people that we've been keeping healthy all these years, more than ever, they need to be kept healthy in a moment where um, we have a little bit of our one hand tied behind our back because the revenue has gone and you're losing, you're losing staff. In a moment where mental health is deteriorating fast because of not only the financial impact that people are having on their jobs, but the sheltering in place, the loneliness, the change of, of, of how we are just living in general, that, that is all the front door of primary care. Why do you think commercial payers have been lagging uh, CMS in making the change to um, either advanced accelerated payments or just capitation to, and, and then in this specific case, to help providers? Because of the way commercial insurance works in America today, you can lose your insurance because of a job. The turnover around that makes it so that these insurance companies don't necessarily have a historically a, a big reason to invest in your health in the long term. 
Secondly, most of them at least are publicly traded. And we all know that the short-term strategies and leadership that is required because of Wall Street forcing us into these 90-day quarterly reporting cycles makes you make short-term decisions, not long-term decisions. A lot of commercial insurance is provided through employers. So in order to change how commercial insurers pay for care, are you working to get the support of businesses? The small businesses of the world have been struggling mightily to provide health insurance for 20 years as the insurance premiums have doubled and doubled again. And even in the medium insurance, that's why you've seen so many companies move to self-insured, which quite frankly is another reason why the insurance companies have not moved either as well. So much of their business is the so-called ASO business where they are acting as the administrators of the self-insured companies. And so theoretically, it's not their money at risk, and it, which is another reason why you've seen them move slower. But you're seeing these companies look for any ways to improve their healthcare spend, to spend more uh, intelligently. There's a lot of good discussion and movement uh, in that arena. And, and we'll see that actually probably fast forward on the other side of this crisis. Do you think this will be this pandemic will be the nail in the coffin for fee for service? I sure hope so. For primary care, it, it, again, diff, there's different parts of the healthcare delivery system where where fee for service makes total sense. Um, certain procedures, there's still items that are going to need to be paid for in transactional ways, but the general care delivery model. Uh, needs to absolutely move to a prospective payment. And then there's all kinds of details on that that are difficult. And, and I understand that we don't have, we don't necessarily have all the answers, but I'd much rather argue and negotiate and, and consider all the different intricacies around prospective payment because philosophically it's connected more to a longitudinal care model versus a reactive trans- transactional model. And let's just get to the other side of this and start working on the next few years figuring out how to do this even better rather than the last 50 years, which we uh, were arguing about how to do future service better, which is never going to be better in a, in a relational primary care model. That was Dr. Christopher Crow, CEO of Catalyst Health Network. Taking a look at healthcare stocks, drug company Pfizer told CNBC that it's identified an antiviral drug that could potentially be used as a COVID-19 treatment. Pfizer is hoping to start trials in a few months. Pfizer was trading up 2.3 percent at the end of the trading day Thursday. The broader sector was up 0.56 percent. Thanks for listening to Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Alex Olgan. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news on JustHealthcare.com. Just Healthcare Daily is an independent production of Just Healthcare. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.